0: you doing tonight? It's good to see everyone. Welcome to our Facebook live feed. I'm Pastor Mike Brunzo and my wife and I pastor Faith Fellowship Church in Louisville, Kentucky. We're glad you could join us tonight. There's a certain subject I'd like to talk about tonight and that is leading someone to the Lord. And uh, before we get into that, though, I would like to say one thing. I know with everything that's going on in this country and in the world for that matter, but particularly in our country with the the riots and the protests and the anger and the frustration and everything that's going on. And, uh, you know, we just come out of this COVID-19 thing. That was uh, the main thing that was taking up all the airwaves and the news media and stuff like that. And now it's the riots and the protests. And it seems like the COVID situation has fallen to the side. And I just want to tell everyone tonight that it's... uh, this is not the time to drop our guard. Uh, I know some personal friends that uh, actually got the COVID-19 virus and uh, it's still out there. It's still a serious thing. We're still not to be afraid of it, but we still want to be careful. We want to practice personal hygiene and cleaning our hands and maintaining the six-foot physical distance uh, rule and wearing a face mask when we're inside or it's expected of us according to the cdc guidelines we do it at our church and uh it seems to be working fine there but i just don't want to see anybody uh get distracted from uh the seriousness of this disease and with everything that's going on that's easy to do so let's be careful and let's be safe out there let's open up tonight with acts chapter six verses one through four i'm going to read in the amplified uh classified edition i want to talk to you tonight about witnessing and about leading somebody to the lord because that's one of our jobs is to lead people to the lord in acts 6 1 through 4 it says now about this time when the number of the disciples was greatly increasing complaint was made by the hellenists the greek-speaking jews against the native hebrews because their widows were being overlooked and neglected in the daily ministrations distribution of relief. In other words, waiting on the people. So the 12 apostles convened the multitude of the disciples and said it is not seemly or desirable or right that we should have to give up or neglect preaching the word of God in order to attend to serving at tables and superintending the distribution of food. We learn even more. They were actually table waiters. Therefore, select out from among yourselves, brethren, seven men of good and attested character and repute, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom we may assign to look after this business and duty, waiting on the people and waiting on tables. But we, we who, the leaders, the pastors, will continue to devote ourselves steadfastly to prayer and the ministry of the word. So it's actually not the pastor's job or the priest's job or the bishop's job or the apostle's job or whatever your leader is called in your church. It's not their job to do all the work of the ministry. The scripture here tells us clearly what the pastor's primary responsibility is to the church. In verse number four, it said, but we will continually devote ourselves to steadfastly to prayer and the ministry of the word. That's what the the pastor or the leader's job is in the church. And here the pastors were burdened down with everyday care and administration of the church responsibilities. And it was taking them away from their study of the word and from prayer. And when that happens, the whole church suffers spiritually. So the leaders got together and chose certain ones to carry out the day-to-day responsibilities of the church. Uh, in some Bibles translated that these people as deacons and uh, that would be for the benefit of pulling the pastors uh, away from those type of responsibilities and letting them be more continuous in prayer and in the ministry of the word so that's our job as pastors and as leaders uh, we're supposed to spend our time in the word in study in prayer and ministry of the word uh, and As you know, pastors or nobody else can do all the work. So then how is all this other work going to be done? Well, who's supposed to grow the church? Uh, As Jesus ascended into heaven, the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 4, he gave gifts to the church, and he tells the purpose of these gifts. In Ephesians 4, 8 through 16, it says, Wherefore he saith, when he ascended up on high... He led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. Now that he ascended, what is it but that he also descended first into the lower parts of the earth? He that descended is the same also that ascended up far above all heavens, that he might fill all things. And he gave some apostles, now these are the gifts, he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. And why did he give these gifts? It's called the five-fold ministry. And the reason he gave these gifts is in verse 12, for the perfecting or the maturing of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplies according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. So he's likening the body of Christ to the physical body of a person. And so he's saying the church should be full of people that are ready, willing, and able to pray, uh, ready and able to minister, ready and able to help one another, and ready and able to give of themselves. The New International Version said in verse 16, From him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. So we're like a physical human body. We have ligaments that hold all the parts together. And so the church is supposed to hold itself together through the body as well. It's a pastor's job, according to Ephesians, to train and prepare you to minister to others. And that's what we're trying to do. That's part of ministry of the word. And so everybody has a job to do, a contribution to make, uh, something to supply. Everyone has a work to do. We're all ministers and everyone knows someone that needs the Lord. So part of your daily training is to read your Bible every day. Read at least one chapter and start in the New Testament, preferably with the book of John or the gospel of John, and don't speed read through it so, just so you can say that you did it. First of all, pray. Ask God to give you understanding of what you're about to read because you want to get the Holy Ghost involved in your understanding. He's the one that brings light, and he's the one that brings revelation. God told Jeremiah in Jeremiah 33 and 3, Call to me, and I will answer you. And show you great and mighty things which you do not know. How many knows we need to learn some things? And so we pray and say, Lord, I'm calling on you today. I'm seeking you with all my heart. And I thank you that you will answer me. You will show me great and mighty things that I do not know, but I need to know. In Jesus' name, amen. And so that's how you begin your Bible reading or your Bible study. Get the Holy Spirit involved in your study. And then read it slowly, meticulously, meaningfully, meditate on certain parts of the scripture. I mean, every once in a while you come to a scripture that will draw your interest. It will, uh, you know, it would like light up to you like a light bulb, you know, and, and there'll be something interesting about it. So don't read through it. Just stop there and camp for a few minutes. Ask God what he wants to show you in that scripture. So pray, read slowly, think about it, meditate on it talk about it and you'll be surprised how much it will help you and how much it will cause you to grow but the main ministry of every believer is to lead people to Christ and yet that is the one area that most believers shy away from they seem to be intimidated by that it's it's hard for them to witness to somebody about Jesus and see this is the reason for the Holy Spirit my daughter-in-law Gwen uh, who's our children's minister uh, preached a little message to the kids one day and it was about the Holy Ghost, and she told them that the Holy Ghost will take the chicken out of you. And if it'll take the chicken out of them, it'll take the chicken out of us. Amen? Uh, in 2 Corinthians, the 5th chapter, and 18th verse, and this will be in the Amplified Classified again, it says, But all things are from God, who through Jesus Christ reconciled us to himself, received us into favor, brought us into harmony with himself, and gave to us the ministry of reconciliation. He gave us a ministry, a ministry of reconciliation, that by word and deed we might aim to bring others into harmony with Him. So, just like God had brought us into harmony with Him through Jesus Christ, we're to bring people into harmony with God through the gospel and through our witnessing. Uh, that's what reconciliation is. It's, it's telling people that God's not mad at them. God loves them. His son died for them, and there's a place for them in heaven. They don't have to go to hell. That's the ministry of reconciliation. And, and our job is to bring others into harmony with God. So this evening, I'd like to learn uh, or lead some, learn how to lead someone to the Lord. And, and this is something that we should all be able to do with confidence and without hesitation. Uh, Let's start in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. We looked at this passage pretty closely this past Sunday when we were celebrating the day of Pentecost. And in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, I'll read in the King James. It says, But you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. So in other words, he wants us to be witnesses all over the earth. And if you will notice here, the witnessing was to begin close to home uh, and then go afar. Jerusalem is where the Jews lived at that time. That's where the Holy Ghost fell in that upper room. And the church was born that day on Pentecost Sunday. And so the Lord's instructions to them was to start where you're at, start in Jerusalem, start at home. So that's the place that we should first be the best witness is at home, in our own home, amongst our own family members and friends. And then be a witness at work and at school, because if you can be a witness in Jerusalem or at home with your own relatives and your own family and your own friends, then you can be a witness anywhere, because I'm going to tell you, your family and your friends and your relatives are the hardest ones to witness to. Uh, so, you know, when, once you master being able to witness to them, and really all you're doing is showing them the love of God, just trying to show them the love of Jesus. And, and once you can do that at home, you can do it anywhere. But we learned last Sunday that one of the main reasons for the power uh, that uh, we received when the Holy Ghost fell on the day of Pentecost was to give us power to witness. And being filled with the Holy Spirit is exactly what gives us the power to go witness, to go and be a witness. And it also gives us power to serve. So he said we will be a witness. He didn't say we will go witnessing. We're to be a witness. And that's a big difference between being a witness and going to witness. Uh, We are to be a witness every day, seven days a week. 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, 365 days a year, we're to be, be a witness. And uh, this is the most important part about being able to lead somebody to the Lord. See, living the Christian life in word and in deed is what is one of the best witnesses you could possibly be. Brother Hagan told us to be a witness and preach the gospel everywhere we go and when necessary, use words. You know your life should be a gospel. You should be preaching the gospel through the way that you live. People should know that you're a Christian, not by your bumper sticker, not by the cross necklace you have, not by the St. Christopher medal hanging in your mirror. They should know you're a witness you're a, a Christian based on the way that you live. That's the best witness you could ever have. So above all things, living a Christian life before people is what opens the door and what softens the ground for you to be a witness about Jesus Christ. So they care more about what you show than what you know. Jesus said in Matthew 5, 16, Let your light so shine amongst men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. He didn't say that they may hear your good works. He said that they may see your good works. You know, God commands us to walk in love. It's the love walk that wins people to Christ. It's the love walk that draws people to you because they see something different in you. They don't see the stress of the world. They see that you're too blessed to be stressed. They see that you're walking healed and whole. You have joy. You have peace. You're always uh, at ease about things. And so that draws them to you. And they want to know what you got that they don't have because they want what you got. But if your life is like everybody else's in the world and, and you're stressed and you're you're always up in the air about something and you're twitter about this and upset about that, they don't want no part of that. You're no different than them. What could you offer them that they don't already have? And so God commands us to walk in love and we witness to people because we love God and because you love them and you don't want to see them die and go to hell when they don't have to. And it's important that you're not walking by feelings because uh, feelings change. Feelings are flighty. Uh, You know, feelings come, come and go. They're up and down. And not only that, but feelings will lie to you. And when you're walking by feelings, it's difficult to love somebody because of the way that they make you feel. If they make you feel good, you love them. If they make you feel bad, you don't love them. If they upset you, you don't love them. But love is a choice. You choose to love someone, and it doesn't make any difference who they are or how they act or how they make you feel. See, you can't walk by feelings. You have to choose to walk by love and faith because sometimes it takes faith to walk in love towards somebody. But feelings change like the weather. And when they do, you'll change with them. And if your life is being governed by feelings, then you're going to be like a yo yo up and down, up and down in and out. You won't know what's going on. It'll drive you crazy. So that's why people fall in and out of love. That's why uh, relationships fail and marriages fail and uh, people uh, are in and out of churches. They're up and down because they're walking by feelings. And as long as you make me feel warm and fuzzy, I love you. But as soon as the warm and fuzzy feelings leave, I don't love you anymore. And, And so it's causing a lot of problems with relationships and things. But when you make a choice to love somebody, then you love them no matter how they treat you, what they say to you, how they act around you, if they hurt your feelings, if they don't. You don't take offense at those things, and you love them right through that situation. You know, my wife and I have been together for 50-something years, and we've been married for over 50 years, and uh, we went together four years before that. But we made a choice a long time ago to love one another, no matter what. And no matter what happened in our marriage, we were going to stick it out. And, and, and we did that because we chose to. We didn't go by feelings. There was times I know she wanted to, to murder me. And, and there was times I wasn't real happy with her. But through it all, we stuck it out because we made a choice to love one another, even when we didn't feel like it. And so that's the way the Lord is. And that's how he wants us to be. Because he loved us even while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He loves us unconditionally, and so he wants us to love others unconditionally, just like he loves us, and he's given us that example, and the number one way to show that you love somebody is by giving to them, giving into their life, and I'm not talking about money. I'm talking about other things. You know, God set this example for us in John 3, 16, where he said that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. that's how you express love is by giving. God didn't have anything better to give in heaven. He gave his best. I mean Jesus Christ the, the prince of heaven, God gave him to us. So love is uh, giving is an example of true love and so uh, like I said it's not talking about money it's talking about giving people your time, giving people your confidence, showing people that you believe in them. Giving people your loyalty, your faithfulness, a pat on the back. And and I'm telling you, you can't imagine how it feels to know someone cares about you and believes in you. Uh, There was times in my life where I wasn't really feeling good about myself. Somebody lied on me one time to my wife, and I was really down about it. They said that I did something that I didn't do. And as soon as they told my wife, she immediately looked them right in the eye and said, my husband didn't do that. How did you know? How do you know you weren't there? She says, I know because I know my husband. Man, I can't tell you how that made me feel. I was on top of the world after that. And it's because my wife showed me that she believed in me, trusted me, had confidence in me. And above all, that she knew me better than anybody else. And I mean, it was a boost for me to realize that my wife knew I wouldn't say or do something like they accused me of. And she put them right in their place. And I'll tell you what, I never forgot that. And and that's the way it is. When you show that type of confidence in somebody and uh, you give them that uh, boost that they need at the right time by sticking up for them and knowing them well enough to not even give a second thought to what people are accusing them of, there's no greater feeling in the world like that to know that somebody really cares about you and believes in you. But anyway, when you tell them... uh, you're with them, and you got their back, and you encourage them that they're going to make it through this thing, because you and God is going to see that they do, that's more valuable than money. And, And, you know, in the latter part of Romans 2, 4, it tells us that it's the goodness of God that leads people to repentance, the goodness of God in you. The only time people are going to see the goodness of God is when you demonstrate it through your life, and when you demonstrate it to them. And so, They need to see the goodness of God because it's what leads them to repentance. They realize how good God is, how much he loves them, what he did for them, how he died for them and shed his blood for them. And I'm telling you, when they realize the goodness of God like that, it brings them to a place of repentance. They want to be part of God's life. And and so they, they need to see that you have joy in your life and you have peace in your life and you have wisdom in your life and there's success in your marriage and success in your finances and that uh, they need to see that you're walking around in a body that's healed and whole and and because this is the goodness of the lord in in demonstration and operation is through you and through your body Show them that you not only believe the things that's in the Bible and the things that God promised us, but show them that you're walking in those things. Show them you can have peace in a tumultuous situation and and that you can bring comfort to people that are are, are mourning or having a hard time about something, that no matter what's happening around you and the circumstances of your life, you still have joy, and you demonstrate that joy, and, and, and they begin to realize that, hey, we're in a bad situation here, but They know something I don't know. I want to find out what that is. Well, I know everything's going to come out in the end. I know everything's going to work together for good to those that love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. I already know the end from the beginning. I don't have anything to fret over. I don't have anything to stress over because I know God is going to get us through. Amen? Hallelujah. But we need to do our very best to show forth the goodness of God in our lives. That's what's going to make people want to know him. That's what's going to cause people to repent, and that's what's going to lead people to the Lord. Now, let me show you a few things on leading someone to the Lord. We have a false impression of witnessing, and that impression is this. When someone talks about being a witness, we envision a knock on the door and two Jehovah witnesses standing there. And we all know how awkward that is and how uncomfortable that could be. That's not the kind of witnessing I'm talking about. I'm talking about witnessing with your life. Uh, Number one, you need to make an acquaintance. I know this sounds simple, but you need to be friendly to to people, to introduce yourself to people. Uh, Shake a hand or bump an elbow nowadays or wave at them or something. Tell them your name. Don't preach to them. Just make an acquaintance. And, And, you know, some of you have worked with people for years and don't even know their name. Meet people. If you don't want to meet new people, then work with the acquaintances you have. I think everybody knows somebody. Work with what you have right now. So number one, make an acquaintance. Number two, make that acquaintance into a friend. Make a friend. And this takes time. It's it's more than just a knock on the door and, you know, hand somebody a pamphlet, ask them if they know Jesus or, you know, this takes time. It's not just leading them in a prayer because that's the end result. Everybody wants that goes witnessing. They want to lead them in that prayer. But there's preparation before you re- lead somebody in a prayer. A lot of people have said that prayer of salvation and never really got saved. They didn't even know what they were doing. They just wanted to get rid of those witnesses and get out of that uncomfortable situation. I'll do whatever it takes. If it, says, uh, if it takes saying a prayer, that's what I'll do. And they never really get saved, you know. So God is not just interested in you getting them to say the prayer. He's interested in you making a disciple out of those people. Jesus gave us the example of a shepherd and a flock of sheep. And our job is to feed the sheep according to the word, lead and guide the sheep, and protect them from the wolf. Keep them safe. But should anything be expected of the sheep? Absolutely. It's the sheep's job to multiply and produce more sheep. In other words, it's the sheep job to do most of the witnessing. And so remember, it's the goodness of God that leads people to repentance. You can't scare people out of hell or or scare them into heaven. You have to love them out of hell and love them into heaven. People have to see the goodness in you. They need to be able to see he's a good God through you. So don't nag people to get them saved. Uh, it's not a race. It's not a contest. See how many people you can get saved. Uh, don't condemn them because of their sin. Don't look down on them. Don't talk down on them. I mean, uh, if they're lost, then they're sinners, and, that, and that's what they do. I mean, we're sinners too, but we're saved by grace. Hallelujah. See, uh, that's not what wins people. What impacts them more than anything else is when you can show them love and acceptance without judging them. And, and you can't judge what they're doing, how they're living, how they dress or wear their hair or how they talk. Uh, people don't have to look like you. And you're worried about the outside anyway when it's the inside that needs to change. And God doesn't look on the outward appearance of man. He looks on the heart of man. He's concerned on what's on the inside, not on the outside. You just get, you just witness to them. Uh, bring them into the kingdom of God. And let God worry about the outside. We're to be fishers of men. And all we're supposed to do is catch them. It ain't our job to clean them. It's God's job to clean them. And, and so as fishers of men or fishers of every kind, any kind, I used to do a little fishing years ago. Uh, my brother is more of a sportsman. My brother Jim, uh, he's, a, he's a fisherman, an angler. He's a hunter. He, he's into sports. He just loves sports. And uh, he'll tell you in a minute that it takes different bait for different fish. Not every fish likes the same bait. And so Jesus said we're to be fishers of men. So that tells me uh, that we need to use different bait for different men and different types of people. Not everybody's going to go for the same bait. So we have to dangle different bait in front of different fish. It's the same thing with men and with witnessing to them. You have to find out what gets their interest. And uh, you may not lead everyone in the prayer for salvation, but you can always plant a seed. And some will plant, some will water, uh, Paul said, but it's God that gives the increase. So you plant a seed, someone else comes along and waters it, and God causes the increase. So don't be disappointed because you didn't lead somebody to the Lord. Just plant the seed. If If it leads to that where you can lead them in a prayer and get them into the kingdom of God, Hallelujah. Uh, Praise the Lord. But if you can't, at least you left them with a seed. And, you know, I've talked to plenty of people about the Lord and and didn't get them to pray the prayer. But I always made sure that I left them with a seed, something for God to work with and something for them to think about. Don't try to force Jesus down anyone's throat. He's much too worthy for that. He's much too good for that. We don't need to hard sell him and we don't need his help. Uh, I mean, he doesn't need our help. (laughs) Yeah, we need his help, that's for sure. But he doesn't need our help. He can sell himself. You just introduce him to Jesus. Tell him about Jesus. Tell him what they did. He'll sell himself. It's like the the old ad is about selling cars. Get him in the car. The car sells itself. Well, just tell him about Jesus and he'll sell himself. But remember this. If you planted a seed, at least the Lord has something to work with. Somebody will come along and water it. Somebody will come along and uh, God will cause an increase. increase, And then someday somebody will come along and lead them into prayer. And it's based on the seed that you planted. So, number one, make an acquaintance. Number two, make a friend. Number three, make a convert. Uh, And and there comes a point where uh, now you're their friend. They're comfortable with you they there's been some trust established between you he knows that you care he knows that you love him and so now you introduce them to jesus see it's more than just knocking on the door and trying to introduce somebody to jesus uh you made a friend uh you made an acquaintance you made a friend and now you're going to make a convert and now it's time to introduce them to jesus this wonderful savior that you already know see most people don't know what to say but here's a few icebreakers Hey, have you ever thought about eternity? Uh, where do you go to church? Hey, buddy, where do you stand with the Lord? What do you know about Jesus? Have you ever read, read the Bible? Did you read that story about Noah? Did you read that story about Jonah and that whale? What do you think about that? You'll find out exactly where they're at, and it would be a good door opener, an icebreaker, and that's when they open the door to that, you get your foot in the door. But there's all kinds of deadly deceptions about what it means to be saved. And I say deadly because that's exactly what they are. Uh, This is considered a Christian nation, for example. And believe it or not, there's people that come to this country and believe that they're automatically Christians just like they would when they get their citizenship. Just because it's a Christian country and just because they live here, they believe they're Christians. And some believe that being baptized as an infant makes them a Christian. Others believe that being baptized as an adult makes them a Christian or saves them. Joining a church doesn't save you. Doing good deeds doesn't save you. We have to understand this because a lot of people think they're saved and they're not really saved. I've had people tell them, uh, you know, I say, uh, get to that place where I ask them if, if they know the Lord. And they say, yes, yes, I've been saved for years and they, they're no more saved than the man in the moon. But they really believe and think they're saved. And, and we can never uh, think that somebody is saved because we could never know. The only one that knows is God, the Holy Ghost. They're the only ones that really know if that person's saved. Uh, they may think they are, they may say they are, but the, if they died that day, they go straight to hell. So we have to understand this because a lot of people think like that. And, and a lot of people will go to hell thinking they're saved because they're depending on a false belief, a false doctrine, something that they've been told or something they've, that they've been taught. And, and I'm here to tell you tonight that the Bible is true. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father except by me. That's the truth. There's no other way to the Father except from him. And God and Jesus talked about a sheepfold, and he said there's only one gate to the sheepfold. There's only one way in. And there's only one way out. So all these other ways that you get saved, all the other ways that you've been told you're good with the Lord, and, you know, oh, you were baptized when you were a baby, so you're saved, or you got baptized as an adult, so you're saved, or you signed the, the register at the church, so you're saved. That, and that don't mean diddly. You're only saved if you come by way of the truth, and that's through Jesus Christ. That's the only way. So any other way? Jesus said the same, if you enter any other way, Jesus said the same as a thief and a robber. And you know what he's going to do with a thief and a robber. He's going to run them out. He's going to keep that wolf from getting to his sheep. And so we have to understand this because people think they're saved and they're not. Jesus told the religious leader that came to him at night by the name of Nicodemus, and just to cut it short, uh, bottom line is he told Nicodemus, you must be born again. He said, you must be. It's an absolute must that you're born again if you want to enter the kingdom of heaven. And so Jesus is thinking spiritually. Nicodemus is thinking naturally or carnally. And so he asked, how can a man be born a second time? Can he enter into his mother's womb and be born again? And Jesus told him he had to enter the kingdom of God the same way he entered the earth, by being born into it. One is a flesh birth, and the other one is a spiritual birth. And so that's why he said you must be born again. You've already been born once. You've been born of water. Now you must be born of the Spirit to get into the kingdom of God. So how do we get somebody born again? Well, if you, if you want to, turn to the book of Romans, and I'll show you. And I know my deep sheep already know this, and uh, but I'm not going to assume that everybody knows it. And besides, I want every believer to be able to lead someone to the Lord, because that day may come sooner than you think where you have the opportunity. In Romans chapter 10, verses 8 through 10 and 13 through 15, it tells us how to lead somebody to the Lord. Uh, the Apostle Paul says, But what saith it, Romans ten eight? But what saith it, the word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart, That is the word of faith which we preach. Now, these are the main components to getting saved, the mouth, the heart, and the word of faith. You need those three things to get saved. And then he says in verse 9 that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, or confess that Jesus is your Lord, that you recognize him to be Lord, and shall believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth salvation is made. Uh, confession is made unto salvation. And so here it is in a nutshell. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is your Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. There's no nine steps to salvation or three steps to being born again or any of that. This is it. Just confess with your mouth Jesus is your Lord Believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. And according to the Apostle Paul here in the word of God, thou shalt be saved. And then in verse 13, we'll skip down to 13. It says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's what, exactly what you did. You called upon the name of the Lord. How then shall they call on him whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? You're being sent. If you share the word, if you're a witness, then you're a preacher. It's not a title that you get from graduating college, Bible college or something. We're all preachers. If you're, if you're sharing the word with somebody, you're a preacher. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 9 and in a couple other places in the other gospels, The harvest is truly plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye, therefore, that the Lord of the harvest will send laborers into the harvest field. So there's two things that we have to do. Number one, pray for laborers. And number two, be one. So there's some people that you're not going to be able to reach. Usually, like I said, your closest relatives. They're the hardest ones for you to reach. And that's because they knew you before you got saved. And so they're a little skeptical on how much you've actually changed. And and so those are the ones you pray for a laborer to go into their harvest field. And there's always someone out there that they will listen to. If they won't listen to you, there's always someone out there that they will listen to. And that's the one you're praying for God to send. God knows who it is, and that's the exact person he's going to send to them, the one that they will listen to. So you pray, Lord, send laborers across their path and then enlighten the eyes of their understanding, help them to see that their need for a Savior, and then show them that that Savior is Jesus Christ, our Lord. And then it's up to them to receive him. You did your part. And, you know, people say, well, I've been praying for a laborer for years, and, and uh, the person I've been praying for, that laborer never came because he's still lost. He's still drinking. He's still in the honky-tonks and bars. He's still doing drugs, sleeping around. He's doing hey, you don't. You prayed it, you don't know how many laborers God sent. God may have sent laborers that you don't even know about. You just keep praying and you just keep believing that God is going to finally get to that one laborer that's going to get the job done. But don't assume or judge God that he hasn't sent a laborer because I'm sure he did. If he said to pray for laborers uh, to go into the harvest field, I'm sure if you pray, he'll send them. So pray, Lord, send laborers across their path. And uh, so then in 2 Corinthians 4, 3 through 4, Paul reveals something that's very important when we're praying for the lost. He says, the good news that that we tell people may be hidden, but it is hidden only to those who are lost. The ruler, the God of this world, Satan, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. They cannot see the light of the good news, the message about the divine greatness of Christ. Christ is the one who is exactly like God. Unbelievers don't see this. They're blind, and the Bible says they're not blinded by their eyes. The Bible says the God of this world, Satan, has blinded their minds. Their minds are blinded. They have blinders over their minds. They can't comprehend or see with their minds uh, the light or the truth. And the reason this is important is because the first thing we have to do is pray that those blinders be removed from their minds, not their eyes, from their minds, uh, because they can't see the truth until that happens. So here's an example of how to pray for someone you want to get born again. Lord, we ask that the blinders on their minds be removed in Jesus' name, that the eyes of their understanding be enlightened, that they may see and recognize who the Lord is. Send a worthy laborer across their path, someone that they will listen to, and then, of course, you be ready and you be willing to be a laborer to go in someone else's harvest field. It wouldn't be fair for you to ask somebody to go in a harvest field that you're interested in, and then you... uh, not going to a harvest field that the Lord is trying to send you into. So number one, you have to be a witness. You have to be a laborer as well as asking for laborers to go in other people's harvest fields. So when you finally do get to lead someone in prayer, and it will happen someday if you do the things I'm telling you here, there must be revelation and repentance on their behalf. They have to see their need for a Savior, and then they have to ask forgiveness, and it's you that's going to lead them in that prayer. They have to know that they need him and they can't make it to heaven any other way. And then you lead them in the prayer of salvation. Get them to say that they're sorry for their sins and that they believe in their heart and they confess with their mouth that Jesus is their Lord and that God had raised them from the dead. It's as simple as that. It's a simple prayer. And then make sure they believe it. Tell them that their sins have been forgiven and their soul has been cleansed. Man, what a feeling that was. When I got born again, I felt that burden lift. I felt, it literally felt like I was born again. I felt like a brand new baby with a brand new start. I'll never forget that feeling. And and then tell them that, you know, if you ever make a mistake, don't be condemned by it. If you mess up tomorrow, just ask the Lord to forgive you, and he will. He'll wipe that slate clean again, and you get started again, and you try to do better the next day. And if you mess up again, do the same thing. Ask for forgiveness. The Lord loves you. He will forgive you, and he'll give you another chance and another chance and another chance. He'll never stop forgiving you. And so this keeps the devil from beating them up and stealing the word that was sown in their heart and condemning them. Because it's a terrible feeling to walk around condemned, feeling like you failed the Lord, you're unworthy, you're just a sinner, you'll never change. Hey, we all struggle with it. We all mess up. We all do things that's not pleasing to the Lord. But thank God we can go to him and ask his forgiveness and he'll forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness, wipe the slate clean again, send us on our way to have a better day. So make an acquaintance, make a friend, make a convert, and finally, number four, make a disciple. Uh, Once they're born again, they're going to need care and attention, just like a, a real baby. Get them in a church. Get them a Bible. Show them how to read it. Watch over them. Call them. Make sure the devil isn't stealing the word. And and when they're missing, they're feeling uh, condemned. Tell them God still loves them. And it takes time, but eventually they'll get to the place where slip-ups and mess-ups become less and less and fewer and fewer as they continue to grow. Don't let the devil beat them up. Make sure you're there to encourage them. Teach them how to pray, what scriptures to stand on, and how to make confessions. Watch over them. Encourage them uh, when they're down. Give them a scripture to meditate on. And tell them to practice it until they're proficient at it, and until it takes hold in their life. And never get a holier-than-thou attitude. Just remember this: had it not been for God, there go you. Amen. The only difference between them and you is the God that somebody introduced you to. Never look or talk down to them. They may smell of smoke, and they may cuss and tell dirty jokes and hang out at the bar. Uh, maybe drink, do drugs, whatever. But it's not your job to judge them. It's your job to love them and keep reminding yourself that you ain't perfect either. Make an acquaintance, make a friend, make a convert, make a disciple. And then lead them in the, in the Lord's Prayer. Again, it's simple. Just get them to repeat after you. Say, say this after me. Heavenly Father, I love you. I appreciate you. Thank you for saving me. I believe that Jesus is my Lord. I believe that you raised him from the dead, and I feel like and I believe that I am saved now. No matter how I feel, I believe I'm saved because I did what your word said to do. It's really that simple. It's not a complicated thing. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for the knowledge, the understanding, the direction that we need for getting people birthed into the kingdom of God. We realize that that's our one, number one job as sheep, is to get people into the, into the kingdom of God, get them in church under a shepherd, under a pastor, so that they can be taught to minister just like you're teaching us. We thank you for allowing us to be a laborer in your harvest field. We, we realize it's a wonderful privilege. And Lord, we ask for the lost and the backsliders to cross our path or for us to cross their path. But Lord, remove the blinders from their minds and reveal to them their need for Jesus and draw them to yourself. Give us favor with them. Give us the right words to speak, the grace, the anointing that we need. Help us to show them the goodness of God through us. Help us to be a good laborer in your harvest field, a good witness and a fisher of men. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. So uh, knowing what you know now. I want you to start praying for God to lead you to somebody that needs the Lord, and he will. And uh, also pray that their, the blinders be removed from their mind, that their hearts be prepared by the Holy Spirit, because he'll do that. He'll go ahead of you, and he'll prepare their hearts to receive the word. Because it's just like planting in the ground. You have to prepare the soil and then the word is planted and it's covered up and it takes root and it grows. The Holy Ghost will prepare people's hearts for you to plant this seed. And then start looking for that person because he will cross your path or you'll cross his path and you'll know it in your heart. When you see that person, it may be a family member, it may be somebody at work, it may be somebody in the grocery store or over at the Starbucks, but God will lead somebody to you or lead you to somebody that needs Jesus. So God bless you. We love you and appreciate you. I pray this has been a blessing to you. I know it's been a real simple teaching, but it's something that we all need to know as believers because God has someone for everyone to to lead to the Lord. We'll see you this Sunday. God bless you. We love you. Be safe and be careful. This concludes this message. Thank you for listening. We pray that it's been a blessing to you. For more information about FFC or its ministries, please contact the church office. God bless you. And remember, Jesus is Lord.